0: Hello everybody, welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have those who help others create their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers that like to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, and many of our listeners who tune in every week, like me, are all of the above, take a moment, explore episodes, discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and passion. Check out our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, and while you're there, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes channel. You will get fresh content every single week. You will get immediate access to a treasure trove of over 230 episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators just like you. Today's episode is particularly exciting. This is somebody we've had on the Business Creators Radio Show before, and I'm so happy to have him back because he's got some great news for us and some really important information about the trends that we see with folks who write and publish their books. I am happy to once again introduce to you none other than Dan Janelle, the founder of PR Leads, Guaranteed Press Releases, um, internationally acclaimed entrepreneurial speaker, and now the newly launched published author of Write Your Book in a Flash. Without further ado, Dan, come on in. The weather's fine.
1: Hey, thanks for having me here. And, and I might add one of the thing to my bio is that I'm a happy client of yours. You've been uh, by my side for I don't know, well more than a decade. He's helped me launch my business and launch several businesses and uh, maintain and grow other businesses and brainstorm, and I can't say enough good things about you, so it's a pleasure to be here.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much, and you've been with us for a little over 12 years, actually, and man, I remember back in the days, uh, it was not too long after the launch of PR Leads, which is one of your signature brands, and we've had so much fun developing the system for uh, guaranteed press releases. We did the course a couple years ago for media publicity and thought leadership, which was very popular in the industry. So we've had a lot of fun, and the fun just continues, especially with this new venue of working with authors, coaches, speakers, and thought leaders to help them write their book in a flash. Now, some of our listeners may still be thinking to themselves, who is this Dan Janelle guy? And they may even have opened a separate browser tab on their machine. They're looking you up real quick, just trying to get some information. So what I'd like to do before we dive in, and I know you have a ton of stuff for us today, is just tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving us business creators from the intersection of your brilliance and passion.
1: <laughs> that's actually a funny question. Uh, usually people say that's a great question. I say that's a ironically funny question because I just came back from uh, my barber where I had my hair cut, and uh, I've been going to him for a good number of years, and I happened to mention that my my new book is coming out next week. He said, Book? You've written a book? I said, Yeah, I've written 13 books. He said, How do I not know that you have written 13 books? And I said, Well, I come in here and you say, What do you think about the twins? And what do you think about the Timberwolves? And what do you think about the weather? You don't say, So tell me, what was it like when you interviewed Gerald Ford? Or what was it like when you interviewed First Lady Barbara Bush? <laughs> <Our> time <Right. laughs> When you spoke all around the world. Uh, from Beijing to Budapest, because you wrote the first book about marketing on the Internet (laughs) back in 1990. (laughs) So I I find it kind of funny and ironic that (laughs) you you ask the same question. So if you are Googling me, yeah, uh, I was there at the very beginning of the Internet. I was on the PR team that launched America Online, and that led to all sorts of wonderful things, because back then people didn't think you could market on the internet you know doesn't that sound stupid in retrospect
0: right <laughs>
1: um so i was there to document and tell people how to do it and teach people how to do it. and that again led to speaking engagements all over the world it put me in front of a lot of important and famous people and uh rubbed shoulders with a lot of good people so it's been a wild wonderful crazy trip and uh i wouldn't trade it for anything oh that's awesome so
0: uh, and, you know, I, I love the stories that you've told over the years, you know, getting to interview President Ford and First Lady Barbara Bush. You've had a very interesting life. Uh, and there's one thing I wouldn't mind if you shared with us real quick is many of you who many folks who do know who Dan Janelle is immediately associated him with PR leads because PR Leeds took the industry by storm as a resource to connect reporters and experts. So you kind of fell into PR leads by accident. I love this story. Do you mind sharing it with us?
1: Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, it's a great story. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was a pretty good speaker, you know, because of the book and everything. I was getting a lot of speaking engagements and speaking around the country, and I would teach entrepreneurs and small business owners how to market and get publicity and advertise on the Internet. And I would always talk about this service called ProfNet, which was a way for reporters to get in touch with experts, and it was a very high-priced service that was sold to PR firms and government agencies and universities, and it was pretty much the best-kept secret in the industry because PR people say, hey, I just got you an interview with uh, Time or Forbes or, you know, other big-name publications, and the, the, their clients would think, oh, they must have spent hours on the phone dialing and trying to get uh, this interview, when in reality they really answered a question from our Forbes report that said, hey, I need to speak to someone who can tell me something about this topic. <laughs> and they just responded and were the lucky person picked. Well, um, I was talking about that service so much and recommending it, but one day I realized that my clients couldn't afford it because they were all small business people and uh, entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and such. So I, uh, I contacted the, the ProfNet people. And I said, hey, here's what I'm doing, and what can we work out? And back then we didn't use these terms, but it was basically an affiliate marketing deal. I was going to resell their service at a uh, different price point so that entrepreneurs could afford it, and I would have to train the people and make sure they actually were experts. Uh, so it was a pretty good thing. And, you know, we just like any business deal, it takes time to to mature and to happen, and to uh, lawyers have to look at things, and things get delayed, and people go on vacations. Anyway, long story short, I get this piece of paper in the mail one day FedEx and it says, Congratulations, we worked it all out. We want you to sell this thing, you know, go forth and prosper. Well, that was fine, but I was making a lot of money as a speaker. I mean, a lot of money. I was really busy. And this profit thing was just like, okay, this is great, it's an affiliate program, you know, if I sell some, I'm going to be fine, but, you know, who cares, I'm making super big bucks as a speaker. Well, one day that summer, it happened to be in the August of 2001, I was bicycling along Route 5 uh, in Minnesota, not far from my house, and it was the most perfect day, if you know anything about Minnesota... It's hot and muggy in the summer. And this was a day when it was just no humidity whatsoever. It's like the world's perfect day. And I'm biking along the side of the road, you know, going, you know, with the traffic and uh, thinking, man, it doesn't get any better than this. It's a beautiful day. The road is perfectly paved. Everything is just going so wonderfully. And then POW! I must have hit a rock or something and it threw me off the side of the road, not on the road, but onto this grassy uh, part next to the road. It tumbled over, a bike fell on top of me, and basically I broke my elbow and my wrist. And that meant I couldn't, uh, you know, I was in a cast. You know, I, I, it was hard to get dressed. I, I couldn't put a belt on. I couldn't tie a tie. I was like, how am I going to go on the road and be a speaker? How am I going to make money? How am I going to do anything? And then I realized, you know, I have this piece of paper in my back pocket that lets me sell this ProfNet service, which I'm calling PR Leads. And so I called up uh, five of my friends. I said, hey, would you like to get quoted by the media? And they said, sure. So I said, buy my PR Lead service. And they said, what's that? And I said, you can get interviewed by the media. Just give me (laughs) whatever. So I sold five the first month. And I thought, this isn't bad. I can pay the mortgage. And then a funny, well, a tragic thing happened on uh, the very next month, because I said this happened in August of 2001. Well, remember what happened in September of 2001? Not nice things. So suddenly no one was traveling. All all these conferences were being canceled. Speakers were uh, losing their shirt because these engagements were being canceled. They weren't getting paid. Conference people didn't know if they were going to have conferences. People were afraid to fly. So September came, and I figured, well, I need to sell five more. But actually, I sold 10 more subscriptions, and the next month I sold 15, and the next month I sold 20, and the next month I sold 25, and by February of 2002, I realized I was in the PR leads business because I was making more money on PR leads than I was from speaking, and I could do it from the comfort of my house, and best yet, it was a recurring income model, a subscription model which meant that every day, every month, these people would be charged another $99 and, uh, until they told me to stop, like a gym membership. And, you know, some people told me to stop and some people didn't, and here I am 17 years later and the money just keeps on coming in. There has not been a day in the last, oh, decade plus where I have not had money coming into my bank account every morning at 3 in the morning. And i got to tell you, it's a great feeling to wake up in the morning Sign into your email system and see a couple of orders that have come through as part of your recurring income stream, because it's a great way to wake up and say, I have $200 or $300 or $99 in the bank already today, and I never have had to face that horrible feeling of like, oh, my God, it's 9 in the morning, my mortgage is due tomorrow, What am I going to do to make all this money between now and then? So I've had this wonderful cushion that I've been floating on for well more than a decade, really 16, 17 years now, and it all happened because I fell off my bicycle and uh, hurt my arm, and frankly, that was my lucky break.
0: (laughs) Your lucky break. That is great. And. You know, I've also heard you described as the king of continuous income. I, as our listeners know, you and I work together, and I have access to some of your sales data, obviously. So I can look in your shopping cart, uh, uh, your MyZ online store accounts, and see what's going on. The only time I've ever seen a zero in there for your revenue figure is if I happen to log in at like 3 a.m. before your daily batch processing. So I can testify to the truth that you literally make money every single day with this system.
1: Yeah, and it's true. And, you know, one thing leads to another, and that's one of the, th- one of the, uh, the things I'd love to leave and inspire your, your listeners with, is that you may think you're in one business, but that your, your, your marketplace tells you what business you are really in. So I started off with the PR leads business, and I had to teach people about publicity, so I started doing teleseminars like we're doing now. Well, way back in 2001, teleseminars were a very, very expensive proposition. We didn't have free telephone lines like we do now. There wasn't all this free competition for recording and editing services, and it wasn't even good software for editing back then, and it was really expensive, but I had to train my people, so I bit the bullet, and I leased a teleseminar line, and I started doing teleseminars, and then one day, one of my clients called me and said, hey, I want to do uh, these teleseminars with you, and I said, Dave, why would I have you on my show? You train car salespeople. My people don't want to know about that. They want to know about... Uh, you know, publicity. And he said, you don't understand. I want to do to my clients what you're doing with your clients. So I want you to handle all the production and dualist teleseminar stuff that I don't understand, and I'll pay you for it. So we worked out an agreement, and sure enough, that launched my great teleseminars business. And uh, within 12 months, it was a six-figure business, and that business lasted for about a decade before all these free services came along, and let's face it you can't compete against freight. So that's another lesson lesson for our listeners is that no business lasts forever. And unfortunately, one of the well, one of the positive things about the internet it is, is that it is the great disintermediator of businesses. In other words, I was able to disrupt the entire publicity industry by offering PR leads for $99 a month while PR firms were basically charging their clients $2500 a month for access to the system. Yeah. I completely disrupted that industry. And then I started this teleseminar business, and the free people disrupted me. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> nothing lasts forever, friends. So uh, but, uh, the lesson the lesson of the teleseminar industry was, uh, sorry, was that the marketplace knows what it wants better than you do. So if they tell you they are looking for something, uh, listen to them. So you might think you're in the publicity business one day. But you may find that you're in the teleseminar business the next day, and that could be uh, a good, a good business to ride for as long as it's uh, for as long as it, it it is. And it was a fine business. It, uh, so, so one thing leads to another in this business. So always look for the next opportunity.
0: And in keeping with that, you have moved into something that is very, very exciting and has itself become, in many ways, democratized, which is awesome, especially when you look at what's going on in the world of both entrepreneurship and corporate advancement, is writing and publishing books. Now, Dan, you wrote one of the first books on internet marketing and publicity back in 1994, and back then, I was 18 years old. I just got my first computer and was discovering the joys of dial-up, and when I logged in, the only two people I saw on were you and Al Gore, so... That's how far back you go with that. So over the past 25 years, what changes have you seen that have made it easier for authors to write and publish books?
1: That's a great question, and uh, it's a good pivot here uh, because it shows that people are flexible. You know, I can do publicity, but I was a reporter before that. So uh, my writing skills, you have many skills. Everyone on this call has many, many skills, some of which you know about, some of which you are maybe not proud of or you don't think you're the best of but that's okay. You're probably better than most other people. Most people are very humble about their abilities. So if you you can write, you can speak, you can market, you can sell, you can uh, coach, you can uh, sing, whatever, you know, it's amazing what one one set of skills can lead to another set of skills and you just build and build on those skills. So way back when I wrote my first book, uh, that was actually in 1991. And that was a self-published book. It was called How to Publicize High-Tech Products and Services. And it was self-published because who would publish a book that was so narrow? You know, back then the publishing industry was very closed. That's a big thing here. It was very closed. It was controlled by just a few very big New York publishing houses, and you all know their names and uh, you needed an entree to get in there, and they were looking to sell millions of copies or tens of thousands of copies of books, and they were equipped to do that. And if you were a little guy like me and you wanted to write a book for a vertical market, they wouldn't give me the time of day. Uh, So I had to self-publish. Now, in 1991, uh, that was the advent of desktop publishing. We finally had tools that could make books democratized, you know, where where people like me could pay a designer and say, here's my manuscript, turn it into a book, and they could use software to do that. Before that, you had to get linotype machines, and, you know, it was, you couldn't do it. You just literally could not do it. Of course, you could go to some fly-by-night publishing house uh, with a vanity press, they were called. We call them publishing houses. They they were uh, vanity press and you'd pay them money, and they'd give you a a book that was full of typos and looked like garbage, and, you know, that was the state of the industry. Uh, So in 1991, when I published my book, that was the beginning of of the desktop publishing revolution. Now, along comes the Internet, and now the floodgates are open. Democracy has really come to the masses, where anyone who has anything that they want to say, whether it's uh, me, like how to write a book, or you on how to uh, uh, market your business, or people who have uh, political books or religious books or self-help books or biographies or memoirs or uh, training books or whatever. It is so easy now to go on the Internet and have your book published. You can be – everyone on this call has the ability to be their own publisher, And granted, you know, all you need is a computer and a word processor, and you're 90% of the way there. You can write your book. You can uh, format your book easily. I would suggest that you hire someone to proofread your book because it's impossible for anyone to proofread their own book thoroughly. Um, But outside of those expenses, you can get your book online very, very inexpensively. You might go to Fiverr and get a, a, a cover made that looks fantastic uh, I know for less than $100, you can, there are a number of services where you can get professionally designed book covers done that rival anything you'd see in Barnes & Noble, so uh, it's very easy to get a book published today, whereas 25 years ago, it was uh, very, very difficult and expensive to get your book published, so that would be the biggest difference I've seen, and I've written 13 books, and six of them have been published with John Wiley. They've Yeah, and they can translate into other languages. I self-publish some books on my own. My new book is actually being published by TCK Publishing, so there are times when it's a good idea to work with a publisher, and there are times when it's better to work um, by yourself and self-publish your own book. So those are the big differences.
0: All right, so in your experience as a book coach, a book author, I know you do some ghostwriting as well, what are the three biggest mistakes do you see writers make? that cost these aspiring authors their time, their money, and their self-confidence.
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting point uh, to, to raise here because um, managing expectations is so important. So some people think they can write a book in a weekend, and you've seen emails <laughs> in your inbox that say, write a book in a weekend, and their books like, you yes. know, write four hours. I'm sorry, it's impossible to write a book in four hours. I was a former newspaper reporter and business newspaper editor. I used to write three stories a day from scratch, and believe me, I could not write a book in a weekend. There are other people who say you can actually dictate your book in a weekend, and maybe if you're verbal, uh, maybe you could do that, but that that's really, if you're starting from scratch, it's really, really hard. However, if you have a platform, if you've been blogging, if you've been writing, if you are speaking, if you have PowerPoint slides, if you have material, you can take that material and turn it into a book, and in that case, you very well might be able to write your book in a weekend or a month or two months or three months. But again, it all depends on how much material you have to start with, how committed you are, and frankly, how much time you have in your day. I mean, One of the biggest questions I get whenever I do my webinars on how to write a book is, How do I make time to do this? I have uh, kids. I have a a full-time job. I have this going on. Well, you know, you can get up an hour earlier. You can stay up an hour later. You can not watch the ball game on TV. You know, you can, frankly, if you take 15 minutes a day to write, you can write a book in just a couple of months. So I think one of the biggest mistakes is that people think it takes too long to write a book or it takes too short to to write a book or they just think they don't have enough time to write a book. But I think that uh, if you manage your time properly and just write 15 minutes a day, you'll be able to write a book in a very short period of time, and you'll be proud of it. I think one of the other big mistakes uh, that people make is that they think that the first draft is the final manuscript, and and that's not true. I mean, the first draft usually stinks. Uh, Just getting your thoughts down on paper, uh, writing out your ideas – but if you actually sit down and look at it a week later, you'll be embarrassed by what you've written. Uh, That's happened to me. Even if I've taken blog posts and pieced them together, which I've done, uh, and I look at them and say, well, they worked as blog posts. Why wouldn't they work as a book? Well, there's a flow and a syntax and a, a rhythm that you want in your book. And just plopping 15 or 20 or 100 blog posts together doesn't quite do it. You really need to look at it and make sure that the things work and that the, that the time element is still there, that you're not referring to, uh, you know, things that are ancient history or things that have changed in the marketplace. So um, you really want to give a polish to your first draft. The third mistake is that people wait too long to get help. They, they think they can do it all by themselves, and uh, if anyone could do it by themselves, it would be me because I've written 13 books, because I was a newspaper reporter and editor, uh, because I, I, I feel confident as a writer. And frankly, a lot of people don't feel confident as a writer. Uh, and I realized even when I wrote my book that it would have been better if I had had a developmental editor work along with me and get an outside perspective to tell me what I didn't know or what I hadn't explained uh, perfectly. Uh, to have that kind of feedback and coaching along the way would have made the whole process a lot easier. So I think the third mistake that people make is that they take too long to get advice and to get help. And, you know, there's no shame in asking for, for help and advice. You know, men have a big problem with that, uh, but they really should say, you know, we can, how can we make this better? And if you go in with that attitude, I think you'll wind up with a book that you'll be uh, prouder of and will help you re- reach your goals.
0: Yeah, and, that, and I think that's very important to consider. So going along with that, and let me just make a comment first. I have shared that when I written, pu- wrote and published my book, Groundhog Days: is an Event, Not a Business Strategy, I say I created the book in a weekend, basically. Now, that doesn't mean I wrote the book in a weekend. What it meant is I had a collection of material that I organized into an outline, and then I copy-pasted those into a master document, and then went through and glued together with transitions and references to glue it all into a coherent story. So we have to define the difference between words like author, write, create. So when I see these programs called Write Your Book in a Weekend and things like that, and I know people who actually have those programs, and I've seen how they work, and it is possible to use those systems. Uh, But what I've seen in those systems is – a reliance on, okay, so what have you created? Uh, what stories do you have available? How do you fuse this together? Uh, so it is kind of the same thing. It is possible to create a book in a weekend, in my personal opinion. Writing, in my personal experience, is a different story. So if we're going to sit down and we're going to write or create or author a book in a weekend or a week or a month or a year, how do we figure out what book our target audience wants to read?
1: That's a great question. In fact, I I love the distinction you made. I'm really glad that you brought that up because that that really does – it's an important point between writing from scratch and collating and uh, uh, piecing your book together. So I'm glad that you highlighted that. Now, in terms of how do you find out what your target audience wants, there there, there are two ways. Uh, Number one, you ask your audience. You just literally – you have followers, you have people who read your blog. Facebook fans, Twitter, whatever social media you use, is just ask them questions. What is your most burning question about this topic? And they'll probably give you a good range of things. And some people may mention the same kind of question again and again and again, and they know that that one is really hot. So uh, we call this market research. It's very simple. It doesn't cost any money. You just ask people, and they will tell you what their burning question is because your book has one purpose, and that is to – Solve people's burning questions. That's the, that's the only reason why people want to read your book or buy your book. Now, you may have reasons for writing the book that are different than that, but that's the only reason why people want to buy the book, It's to answer a question that they have. Now, you have to be very careful not to write the same old book. Because uh, I had a client, and he wanted to write a book about why meetings And granted, we all know that meetings suck, but frankly, there are 100 books about why meetings suck, and no one wants to read another book about that. And frankly, you know, when when a thought leader wants to write a book, there really is a motive here. The motive is to position yourself as an expert, to make yourself stand out from everyone else who's doing pretty much the same topic, and to uh, get business as a result of it. You know, you don't have to write the encyclopedia about why meetings suck or any other topic, uh, you have to give people good information, actionable information that people can use to transform their lives and make their lives happier, healthier, and wealthier. So that, that's it. So using that framework, I thought to myself, you know, do we really need another book about why meetings suck? And is that really going to help him get more clients for his business? And I thought, no. What people want to know is how to fix meetings that so I suggested to him that he take all of his great ideas instead of saying, why do meetings suck, and instead say, here are the reasons why they suck, and here's how to overcome those problems. And now you have 50 questions in two or three pages apiece, so you have a decent-sized book that answer the 50 biggest problems that people have when they hold meetings, and he's offering the solutions. So. That's the kind of uh, thinking that will help you stand out from the marketplace. And, frankly, that's the kind of thinking that a coach brings to you because they have different perspectives and they've read a lot and they can do things for you that you can't do because you haven't thought of those things because you haven't been exposed to those kinds of things. Because, frankly, I'm not a genius. I didn't come up with that idea because, you know, it just, like, hit me like a brainstorm. I had another client uh, from my PR lead phase who had written a book about how to solve the 50 biggest problems in negotiating. So, again, you know, how many books are there on negotiating? Millions. Uh, but this was the, the, the only book that was set up to answer it in a question-and-answer kind of format, like what do you do when the other side says this? <laughs> and what do you do when you reach a stalemate about that? Uh, so I basically had a breadth of knowledge that I could share with my meetings client and help him. And frankly, you know, cross, cross – uh, it's not cross-promotion, but learning how people in other industries do things can help you answer questions in your own industry. Because in a lot of industries, we do things because we've always done things that way. But when you look at how another industry approached that problem and you see that they took a radically different idea and they made it their own. In fact, I uh, hope we have time for this. A quick story. A friend of mine, uh, yeah. a former client, uh, Steve Shapiro, wrote a book about uh, brainstorming. And he said that the uh, he had a client that was uh, uh, doing uh, um, laundry detergent and uh, this, it just wasn't getting any cleaner. So he had another client who was in the toothpaste business, and he realized that they could make the toothpaste look cleaner by adding blue. So they added blue to the laundry detergent, and it made everything cleaner. So, <laughs> you know, who would have thought that? You'd have to be like a rocket scientist or a laundry scientist to know things like that. But there's an idea where one, one industry borrowed from another industry and had a whole revolution because every person on this call who goes to uh, the supermarket or the, the, the laundry detergent aisle now will see blueing, on every laundry detergent thing and that's because of the toothpaste industry so pretty cool stuff
0: yeah very much so uh, now I guess the one thing that I would uh, think of here is let's move to the practical side of this and you're Dan you're giving us so much information here I encourage all of our listeners to go back and subscribe to the iTunes channel make sure to download this one and listen to it again again and again because in the past half hour you've given us so many things to think about already, not only in terms of writing a book, but in terms of entrepreneurship and business creation. So let's move to something a little bit more directly related to books specifically. And what are the essential steps to writing a book? Let's give people an outline they can start thinking about.
1: Sure. Um, I have 10 steps. We don't have time to go through them all here, and they're in my book. But I I think the first thing you need to do is uh, really figure out what your goal is you know do you want to sell books or do you want to make a business from the book and i think that's one of the key elements that people mistake Uh, because if you want to get uh, clients for your business ask yourself what information would i share in that book that would make me as the expert because frankly you can make a lot more money from your consulting services, your coaching services, or uh, your product services than you ever will from making uh, from a $10 or $20 book. So you may want to uh, build your speaking business, build your coaching business. So th- that's really the first thing you need to do is figure out what you really want to get out of that book, and then you work backwards from there, just like Stephen Covey said in the Seven Habits uh, uh, book, you know, start with the end in mind. So uh, let's say you want to become the biggest meetings expert in the world. Well, okay. Um, actually, that's a bad example. Let's, let's, let's make this more generic so you can see yourself in this. Um, what are the ten things that people need to know about uh, this topic? And those become your chapters. And then you outline those chapters in greater, greater, and greater detail. Fill it with stories, anecdotes, examples I call them describers, uh, where the D and the E and the S stands for different things. So i not in any order, but you know, stories, examples, uh, descriptions, analogies, graphs, charts, cartoons, uh, anecdotes, signature stories, examples. All of those things flesh out your ideas. And make you look like the expert. And by the way, you can interview other people in your book, and that still makes you look like an expert because, you know, if I'm quoting Jack Welch in my book, then it makes it look like I know Jack Welch. So now it makes it look like me and Jack Welch were on the same playing field. And, you know, that's a pretty good thing to do. So I have a picture of Jack Welch and, and myself in the book. I have a picture of me yeah. and J- Ken Blanchard in the book, with Ken Blanchard actually giving me advice on how to write a book. That makes me look good. And obviously, it gives a different perspective in the book to my readers, you know, to a perspective from mine. Uh, So it makes us both look good, and it gives a lot of credibility to the book, and it it helps the reader uh, position you as an expert, and the reader is also getting great information. So those are the things that uh, are essential. So, again, start with the purpose in mind. Figure out what you really want from the book. Figure out what people want to read in the book, which we talked about earlier and then fill it with those describers that I talked about and if you do that frankly it'll be very easy to write your book in a flash because you're working from a very detailed outline
0: yeah and i and that's a great way of looking at it and i would encourage everybody to go pick up your book write a book write your book in a flash because it essentially is an outline, and a walkthrough of those steps to write a book with exercises people can do and everything. When I was creating Groundhog Day as an event, not a business strategy, I relied on some of those templates and some of those formulas. They accelerated my ability to create my book in basically a weekend. So one thing I'm noticing, and we do have listeners on the Business Creators Radio Show who are actually in corporate situations where they listen to the show because it gives them advice and it gives them tactics they can use for their employers. And we also have folks who are nine-to-fivers with a side hustle, and we have our people who are the corporate warriors who are recognizing that the whole idea of career advancement, job search, and establishing yourself as somebody who employers want to hire, want to promote, and want to look up to as managers, that whole playing field has changed. And you've made the argument that business executives and thought leaders should be writing books. So why is that?
1: Wow. Uh, that's another great question. And there are three different answers to those three different audiences. Um, some intersect and some are, 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 are different. So I'll go through them quickly. But it all comes down to personal branding. We're all looking for the next best thing. So for the people who are entrepreneurs, the people who do the side hustle, there are other people doing exactly what you do. And you need to stand out. And uh, I do this, actually I do this exercise in in, in a lot of my speeches. Uh, People stand up and they say, who's a coach? And they all stand up. And, you know, who's who's been to college? And most people still stay standing. And, you know, who has an advanced degree? And about half the people sit down. And uh, who has uh, been written up in the newspapers? And a few people sit down. Um, So, in other words, at every level there are people just like you who've done exactly what you've done, uh, and I say, who's written a book? And then most people sit down. And then there are two or three people standing out of the 100 who originally started. And now you realize that no matter how credentialed you are, you know, we've all gone to college, we've all done this, we've all had some nice testimonials, well, we're, we're very similar to each other. And the one thing that can make people stand out is that book. So when you write the book, you will stand out from 99% of all of your competitors, and you'll be able to get that job Again, for you working in a company, it may, it may help you promote to the next job. Or if you're a solo or working for your own company, it may help you get, you know, the new consulting job or the new business uh, that you're looking for in terms of a job. So it's not a career job. It's your your your, your, your consulting job. Um, so all that is to the good. So it makes you stand out. It brands you. It makes you uh, an authority. Plus, when you're an authority, now you can charge higher prices and demand them and get them. In fact, one of my clients, um, when he wrote a book, he, realized, he said the biggest change in his life was that meeting planners now didn't negotiate with him. When he said his fee was X, they they paid it. They didn't try to nickel and dime him before he had written the book and said, well, you know, there are other people who speak about that. How about we charge you, uh, we pay you half of what you asked for. It's like, now he got what he asked for. In fact, he raised his, his rate, so he's getting more money. Now, if you're working for a company, You might be saying, how will this help me? Well, a couple of ways. It can help you get your next job. It can help you uh, get a bigger uh, raise. And, frankly, in today's world, people switch jobs a lot. So when you're applying for another job, you're up against a certain number of other candidates. And, again, use that same little test I had. You know, you've all gone to college. You've all uh, worked for great companies. You've all worked there for a certain number of years. You all have certain qualifications and uh, and uh, great accolades to tell people, but you're the one who wrote the book and the other people didn't. So it makes you stand out, and that's why you want to write a book.
0: Yeah, real quickly, I'm reminded of another example. Uh, I can't remember exactly where this is located, but I've, I've seen it myself. There is a car dealership where the owners of the dealership wrote a book. They wrote and published a book, and the book was about their philosophies on customer service and community involvement. The reason they did this is because they wanted to position themselves as knowing more about customer service, living those examples, and also the ideals of being involved in the community and giving back in a way that was different from what most businesses will do, which is they'll write their mission statement, their vision statement, their we love customers, their we give back. They decided to make a book about that to position themselves as not only the people who do it, but as the authorities on how it's done, so something that every business does, but they put it in a different context. Plus, for people who walk into the dealership and don't walk out with a the car, they have this book they can hand them, which they people can take home, they can read, they can leave sitting on their table, that continues as a reminder to those people of that dealership.
1: Exactly, and no one ever throws out a book. So it, it stands on a bookshelf as a silent salesperson just waiting for the day when they actually have the need to engage you. And when they do, they, they've looked at your, your book, your face, your, on the spine of the book for a week, a month, a year, two years, seven years, whatever. And they say, aha, I have to work with Adam because he wrote the book, and now I'm in a position to hire him, and I need him, so he's the one I'm thinking of because you stay top of mind because you're on his bookshelf.
0: Right. And, you know, this is you know, a little bit tangential, but I've, you know, I can tell you an example of this right now. Um, I have a few of your books, and I keep all books by people I know personally or people I've met personally, most of which are autographed, in one section of my bookshelf in alphabetical order according to the name of the author. And what I've noticed about a lot of these books, and some of them are from the write your book or create your book in a weekend genre, is they're only like 80 pages. So I know they're on the bookshelf, but you can't see them when you glance at it. It's like, okay, so so-and-so it's there, but it's so thin, I can barely bank out the spine. When I created my book, Groundhog Days: is an Event, Not a Business Strategy, after I welded together all my articles and writings, and then I built a table of contents, and I noticed the table of contents went on for about four and a half pages, because I did a two-level table of contents, main chapters, sub-chapters, which all, the titles all come together, and they tell a story. And then when I took the manuscript and I converted it from eight and a half by 11 to 6 by 9 so I could be working on the actual thing that would load into CreateSpace for the self-publishing, it came out to over 300 pages. And I told people that, and they said, oh, no, that's too long. That's too long. I said, no, that's perfect. That's going to make a very attractive spine.
1: Yeah, exactly. And for those people who are wondering, well, how many pages do I need at the minimum? I would say 120 pages. So uh, that's about 20,000 words, and uh, that's what you need to do, because if it's any thinner than that, then the printer can't put your name on the spine. I made that mistake once. You know, hey, we live, we learn, and then we share that, 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 that folly with other people so they don't make the same mistake. So you definitely want to have at least 120 pages in your paperback book so that it is thick enough to uh, do your marketing for you.
0: Right. Yeah, so just a little point I like to make whenever we talk about self-publishing is you hear these, well, I can just throw together an 85-page book, but think about what that book is going to do. If it's one of these books you're going to put on Kindle with the idea that it's just going to be a Kindle book, you're going to sell it for $2.99 so people put it in their Kindle library, and you raise your awareness profile through their, digital, through their digital access, I would say that's probably fine. And that makes a nice skimmable book they can read in 45 minutes and get something from. But if it's something you're going to print, like a paperback or a hardback, my personal advice is do something thick, thick enough so it'll have a nice spine on it. Because as you said, people don't throw books away. I have hundreds of books. I have an entire wall filled with books. Most of them I've only read once, but they're still there.
1: That's that's so true, and I'm sure everyone on the call has, feels exactly the same way, that the, the book is there. So it's so a question like, why aren't you writing your book? <laughs> why aren't you joining yeah. them? Right,
0: right. So uh, now there's a new term, or actually it's not really a new term, but it's, uh, it's something that people who actually get into the idea of writing and publishing a book hear perhaps more than everybody else. It's called a book coach. So what is a book coach, and what does a book coach do? And does somebody writing or creating a book need one?
1: Sure. Uh, a book coach is a person – well, we all know what a coach does. You know, a basketball coach uh, – uh, looks at your shot and sees that, oh, if you move your arm a little bit this way, you'll be able to make that shot. And sure enough, uh, you move your arm a little bit this way, and suddenly you're, you're making 9 out of 10, whereas before you're making 3 out of 10. That's what a good coach does. And you'd be saying to yourself, well, why didn't I know how to do that? It was so simple. It was so just this little tweak. But uh, you don't do it because you didn't know it was there. That's what a coach does. The coach sees things that you don't see. Now, I was a newspaper reporter and editor, so I have a particular skill set in this because um, I could see what needed to be in the story, what was superfluous to the story, uh, who I needed to speak to to fill this hole in a story, and I take those same skills to my book writing and to my book coaching clients because I can see what they've done and see what's missing. I had one client who, who was writing a book about how to use improv techniques in hospitals to improve communications between uh, doctors and patients. And she had a, a sample dialogue there of the conversation gone bad. And then she explained a improv technique on how to improve listening skills. But you know what she didn't have? She didn't have a sample dialogue that showed what happens when it goes right and how to interject those things to, in the conversation to show where it all fit. So she looked at it and said, oh, you're right. <laughs> you know, She's the expert on the topic, but it took an outsider. It took a book coach to come in and point out what was missing. And I've uh, spotted other things like that for uh, my other clients, you know, even to, to the point of thinking of book titles or uh, rewriting books or revising chapters to point out key points that they just didn't see. I mean, it's, it's like, In journalism, we call it burying the lead. That means you've written, like, you know, 20 or 30 paragraphs, but the first paragraph is boring, and the second paragraph is horrible, but the 17th paragraph is, like, that's where the smoking gun is. It's like, like, hey, why did you bury the lead? That's what the story is all about. And then suddenly that 17th paragraph becomes the whole focus of the chapter, and it becomes unique and interesting and relevant and points you out uh, to be great. I had another client who uh, was writing a book about communications, and he was talking about the idea of flow, and, you know, you've heard of flow, and uh, that when you're in the state of flow, where you're just like, everything just, time just evaporates, it's like, you're doing what you should be doing, everything is going smoothly, you can't believe that eight hours has passed, because it seemed like five minutes, so you're in the flow. Well, He had three and a half pages of background about the guy who created this whole flow thing and why it works and blah, blah, blah. It was like so boring that we just had to cut it. Well, I suggest he cut it. He wanted to keep it in. That's his prerogative. It's okay. But the coach would at least give you the ability to say, you know, is this too much? Is this too little? Uh, So that's what a coach does. And also – get you over the high points and the low points of writing because it's a roller coaster. You're going to feel like you're on top of cloud nine one day and other days you're going to say, I don't know what to write. I don't know how to write. I'm depressed. I uh, have all these other obligations going on. I'm never going to get this thing done. Um, So the coach helps you get through those things. They may have exercises for you that get you back on the motivation mojo. Uh, They may have ideas for you that help you uh, figure things out. I had another client. Uh, she was writing a memoir, and she was really getting a little stuck in it, uh, that, because there's just so much. There's so many stories covered so many years of her life. And said, "Why don't you just focus on one aspect of your life? You know, one key turning point of your life. You know, that one big life lesson." And she did, and now she was able to like tackle that one thing. And it was it was book length. It was there was enough material there uh, to make it all work. And frankly, it got rid of a lot of Baggage that no one in the world needed to read about, and frankly, she didn't need to share that kind of emotional baggage with the rest of the world. And frankly, would have probably, you know, uh, upset everyone in her family if it got into print. So again, that, those are the kinds of things that a book coach can do. They make the book better. They make you feel better about writing your book.
0: Right, and I think that's you know, really important. Uh, I didn't really rely on a book coach myself directly, but you gave me some coaching throughout the process my other business coach gave me some guidance on it as well even helped me create the backstory behind what fused all these concepts these articles these stories together so although i didn't formally engage a book coach i did recognize and embrace the value of book coaching if i were to do another book today i actually probably would hire a book coach it would save me a lot of time
1: and i would as well because after i finished my book i said to myself you know I really didn't cover ebooks as thoroughly as I should have because <laughs> I'm yeah. a pretty guy. Uh, but I think the book is still very, very valuable for everyone writing an e-book or a traditional book. But again, that might have been a nice little tweak that would have added another paragraph here or another paragraph there. That's it, two more paragraphs in the book. It would have answered questions that some people would have had that I just overlooked.
0: Understood, understood. So what... In your in your mind, having been involved as the author of thirteen books and being a book coach, being an author, being a coach, a, you know, a ghostwriter, and everything else, what is the biggest secret that many book authors don't want you to know?
1: <laughs> Everyone likes secrets, right? Well, here's a uh-huh. secret: many of the books that you see are not actually written by the people whose names are on the books. They hire. No, fans. really. It's true. It's true. It's one of the biggest secrets in the National Speakers Association. I um, mean, frankly, a lot of experts, uh, people who are running businesses, don't have time to write books. They're out doing big deals and things. They're out uh, looking for the next sale or training or doing whatever they're doing. They don't have time to, to write a book, so they hire ghostwriters, and they might uh, collaborate with them by saying, here are all my PowerPoints, here are all my slides, here are my blog posts, uh, and interview me, and that's the way a lot of books get written. And sometimes, in fact, you'll see the ghostwriter's name on the books. They'll say, with somebody else, you know, so-and-so with somebody else. That way you know it's really ghostwritten. Or if you look in the acknowledgment sections, they'll, they'll, they'll give a big, big applause to someone saying, you know, I couldn't have written this book without the uh, invaluable help of this person. <laughs> that, that's another giveaway that was a ghostwritten book. And, you know, ghostwriters are very happy to live in the shadows, to not have their name on the book, and just cash their check and uh, be, be very happy with it um, and be done with it. So if you don't have time to write a book, you very well may want to do what a lot of famous people have done, which is to hire a ghostwriter.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I, I'd like to make a, an observation about this and get your thoughts on it. I've revealed myself that, Groundhog Days and Event, Not a Business Strategy is something that I didn't sit down and write. It's something that was a compilation of creations I had done over the past four to five years previously. Most people I know who have authored, created, and written books didn't just you know, start with chapter one, day one, and just write it straight through. They had a collection of things. Uh, in some cases, they had transcripts of webinars they had hosted. I know one person who's just about to launch his book and he created a lot of his content by guesting on other people's podcasts and then taking those MP3s, transcribing his answers to the questions, and using those to form his outline. He, he made a decision that the, he was going to create the publicity for his message at the same time he created the book, so he literally went out there and shared the message, which then collated back into his book. Uh, Ghostwriters, depending on what the deal is, who the client is, What the agreement is, may or may not even meet the person who's booked their ghostwriting. That's another thing that you hear not as much about as actually happens. What they are given is access to articles, access to speeches, access to transcripts, access to writings. They're given the opportunity to study their subject from a distance and see what their subject has said and what is written, but they will never, ever, ever, ever meet that that person. Whose name is on the cover? Um, I can think of a few cases uh, in relatively recent history where the ghostwriter, in my, in my opinion, unethically said, Well, I never actually met them and, uh, and that's really my book. No, no, it's their book because they paid for it. Uh, and that's something that I just want to get your thoughts on just in general is the idea that you could actually get somebody to write your book, somebody you don't even know.
1: Well, um, there are a couple of ways to look at that. And uh, I I like what Ken Blanchard told me. And he's written 60 books that have sold more books than you and I will ever sell in our lifetime. The man is a machine. Um, And each of his books were co-written. And, you know, it was the one-minute manager who moved my cheese, and both names are on the book. And he says, I learn from other people. So by collaborating with another author, you actually uh, learn more yourself. Now, these obviously were not ghost written, but the, the collab- collaboration is there. And I think that's what happens with a lot of ghost writing, that it, it's not as if uh, someone just dumps all of those blogs and transcripts and whatever it says here uh, makes sense of it. You, you need to talk to the expert. Or the ghostwriter needs to talk to the expert. You have the conversation, so they get your ideas, they get your flow. I'm ghostwriting a book now with a doctor about uh, telemedicine, and, you know, I know nothing about telemedicine, uh, but he, right. he's given me information about that subject. We've had discussions. I'm writing chapters, and being a journalist, things enter my mind, and I say, well, what would happen in this situation, or what happens here, or what what, 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 what is this case about, or this needs to be explained, yeah. Or for laymen, this is too technical. And then we have another discussion, and he goes back and, is, and answers my questions. And it's a wonderful experience. Uh, he's a delightful guy. We're getting along fantastically well. I'm learning, and frankly, he's learning. He tells me he's learning about how to write a book and the whole process of writing a book and the whole, all the things that go into writing a book because he's a doctor. What does he know about writing a book? So right. it's, uh, it, it's enriched both of us. And it is a nice collaboration, and his name will be on the book and my name will not, and that's perfectly fine, and we'll go about our lives, and maybe we'll collaborate again on on another book someday, and that's fine too.
0: Right. All right. So believe it or not, we are right at the top of the hour. We have three minutes left, and I want to give at least one of those minutes to you because just the other day your book came out. So tell us a little bit about it and how we can get our hands on it.
1: Cool. Well, the book is called Write Your Book in a Flash, and it's the paint-by-numbers system for writing the book of your dreams uh, fast. And uh, I might have misstated something earlier about you can't write a book in a weekend or four hours or whatever. You know, um, flash is whatever you want it to be, whether it be a weekend or six months or, you know, some people are very, very fast writers. But this book gives you all the essential steps in how to write your book quickly and fit into your time frame. There are templates, there are fill-in-the-blanks, there are models, there are things that you can just copy and make your own, so you can follow these rules and guidelines to write the book quickly. There are also ideas in the book on how to interview people, how to uh, get in front of famous people so that they will uh, allow you to interview them. We have information on how to get beta readers. Uh, These are reviewers who will give you feedback on your book, so uh, you'll actually uh, get good ideas and see what see if your ideas really work. <laughs> uh, there's also great information on how, how to hire and work with book coaches and developmental editors and copy editors and ghostwriters. So if you want to go that route, you'll make the right decisions, you'll know what questions to ask, and you'll know what to look for. So there are a lot of books out there that tell you how to write. This is the only book that gives you a lot of examples, fill-in-the-blank templates, and other really guidelines that really help people who are organized or help people get organized so they can write their book quickly
0: great and uh, just for our readers understanding you can look it up on Amazon another way to get there is to simply go to Dan's website which is www.writeyourbookinaflash.com that's www.writeyourbookinaflash.com so Dan I want to thank you so much for joining us today this has been an honor and in education, and I'm really excited by the opportunity to have you share a few things with our audience today, because I know a lot of folks that I speak with either want to write their first book, or they've written a book before, and they're dreading doing it again, because they've just really struggled uphill, and they're looking for the easier way, or the way to do it in a flash when they go and do their second bestseller.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here. It was a real pleasure sharing these ideas, and there are a lot more ideas and. Believe me, writing a book is not as hard as, you, as some people might think it is, uh, and if they read my book or if they come to my website, there are a lot of great resources there, and I'm happy to talk to anyone for 20 minutes on a free consultation and just see if this is a good fit or just answer any questions they have about writing a book because, as Ken Blanchard said, I learn when I talk to other people, so I can certainly learn and relish the opportunity of learning what your questions are because that makes me smarter and more well-rounded as well. And you'll probably get great ideas, too. And, of course, it's no obligation. Uh, so the sign-up link is on my website as well, and that is writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thank you very much.
0: Awesome. And, again, writeyourbookinaflash.com. Dan Janelle, thank you so much for being with us. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you. All right. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homie host of the Business Creators Radio Show, please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and subscribe to us on iTunes. We help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Till next time, have a great day. Take care.